welcome to Fit Story TV, the only platform that is focused on storytelling for fitness experts. Our mission with this podcast is to empower you to harness your vulnerability and lead with your story. If this is your first time listening, then make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out when we drop more fire. Yo, what's going on, bro? What's going on? I'm good, man. I'm real good. I am stoked for this episode today. We got with us Justin Devonshire. He is the founder of the fitness business Blueprint, a global consultancy company helping fit pros, boot camp owners, studio owners, just escape the the time for money trap. And when I read that, man, I, I actually was like, damn, that's super fucking cool. Because I'll be honest, you know, trading dollars for time just sucks. Like if I had to summarize it, it just sucks. There's like limitations, isn't there? And um, having that realization myself was actually a huge part of my personal entrepreneur journey, you know, realizing that I didn't need to trade an hour of my time for a certain amount of money. So I'm, um, yeah, really excited to talk, talk about that and dive into that. But other than that, you have a pretty epic podcast as well, the Fitness Business Blueprint podcast. So I'm curious, how long have you been doing that? And what made you start a podcast? Uh, the podcast? So I started that maybe about a year ago, I think. And um, pretty much I started it because I always think you should you know, dial in what you're good at. And I'm good at like ranting and speaking a lot. And so I just literally start the first, I think, 40 episodes. I just recorded in my car when I, was, when I had um, extra time driving to and from the city. And so I just ran down my thoughts on audio. And plus, I think, you know, audio, what you guys are doing is, is going to get a lot more popular. I consume a lot of audio because it's easier for me to, to listen while doing something else. Mm. And I thought other fitness business owners who are busy might appreciate that as well. So. 100%. Yeah, I mean, the thing that initially made us start is obviously just to create another platform for storytelling in this industry, which was really the, the main driver. But the more I kind of researched podcasting, the more I realized that this is, we are early adopters. Like we are people that are on podcasts now that are getting a podcast set up right now. We are early adopters of this. It's, it's so fresh still as a platform. I mean, this was a, a stat recorded a little while back, but there was only 500,000 active podcasts in the mm. world. And when you compare that to a billion plus Facebook accounts and six million plus blogs, I mean, it's a very early stage of this platform. So that was like, once we found out about that as well, we were like, damn, like it's really that fucking, it's that fresh, you know? But you're right. I mean, for me, I prefer listening to audio. Like I can do it whilst I'm washing up. I can do it, do it whilst I'm uh, driving my car. I can do it whilst I'm fucking so I can, <laughs> I can pretty much. I'll see if that's going to come. It's either taking a shit or, or shagging <laughs> one of them. <laughs> yeah, you know me too well. But like, it's so it's so easy to listen to, you know. So I, I really do feel like it's just going to continue to grow. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with your podcast, bro. Now, we've actually connected through uh, another guest who was on our podcast, uh, Raz Slaughter. And how did you guys meet? Because I know Perry's story of how he met Raz, but how, how did that happen for you and Raz, man? Uh, so like, like a lot of the guys online, I've just been following them or in similar circles to them for many years. And as I'm always traveling around doing events different places, uh, I just usually reach out to these guys and, and invite them to go and hang out. So I think Raz is from Miami. So um, 
couple of years ago when I was when I was down in, in Miami. I go there every every ninety days or so for clients, and I just said, look, I'm in Miami. I think that's where you are. Let's let's go and have coffee together, you know. And I just reach out and network, and then you know, then we jump on podcasts together, want to do events together, and it just spirals like that. But I just, I just shoot people a message, meet online, and then shoot a message when I'm in their area, and we meet up from there. That's dope, dude. I mean, we are going to, uh, we'll be in San Diego in August. We're hosting a, a, a co-hosting a live event out there. So if you're around in SD, mate, maybe we can grab a coffee. Yeah? I don't get to California that much these days. I'm always on the East Coast, but um, if there's an invite going, then I can always <laughs> look at my schedule. Pop on a flight. Uh, so bro, we're going to dive into your fit story. But for those that are listening that, you know, because we have had quite a, a big wave of new listeners recently, they're probably wondering, what the fuck is a fit story? So um, Perry, do you want to just explain that real quick, bro? What, what the difference between a, a personal story, a core story, and what the difference between that and a, and a fit story is? Sure, man. Sure. Well, let me put it to you like this. So for you guys listening, you're in the fitness industry for a reason. You are a coach with the burning desire to help others for a reason, right? And the person that you are today, you are that person for a reason. So basically what the fit story does is it takes your story and it molds it into something that deeply resonates with your ideal client. It's about intertwining your story and the story of your ideal clients so that you become united and you become the no-brainer option for when it comes to time for them to pick someone to work with. So you have your personal story. Before the fitness industry, I used to really sort of market my personal story. And that is just literally the biggest chapters in your life that you've lived. And then the fitness, the fit story, right, for the fitness industry is about the certain elements from your personal story that your ideal client's ears will perk up to, what really resonates with them. And that essentially is what a fit story is. Mm. and it is it's super unique and i feel like this is the reason why uh if you're not in our facebook community yet just going to do a little plug here real quick at the beginning of this podcast if you're not in there yet then just come and check it out come and see what it's about because you, you you're either going to be just like i don't really feel like i need this or you're going to be curious to find out more and the best place to do that is definitely the facebook community so just type fit story community in the search bar come check us out. If you don't like it in your vibe, trust me, we would not be offended if you left, but come check it out. Anyway, 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 I'm excited now to actually dive into the juice, right? Get the juice flowing. So most of our guests, uh, Justin, they, they actually come from a fitness background. Most of them were, for example, influenced to start working out or, or playing tennis or whatever the fuck it was for them. Uh, then they transition from there to kind of like working as a PT. And then it's like the evolution into a fitness business mentor seems like the natural progression for people. I feel like that's just what happens. But before we find out if that was really the case for you, I, I just really want to know what life was like for you growing up, you know, like what, what the backstory was, like all of the things that formed your initial worldview as a person. So if we could like dive into that and just get as far back as possible from like the earliest memory you have, what, what, what was life like for you, man? Yeah, life was, you know, life was pretty good for me. It was pretty basic. I've got no crazy big sob story or anything like that. Um, my parents were good. They did their best. Um, what, you know, the, the main thing for me, I think I took from it growing up, I had um, a bit of a different balance, had my, my mother on one side, 
who is very nurturing, caring, polite. I got, you know, all my great, um, let's say, personality traits of just kindness and things from her. Um, but, you know, she was someone who wouldn't really push any risk, wouldn't push the needle, plays it safe, enjoyed her job, and that was it. And then my, my father, on the other hand, it was um, not an entrepreneur, but he was um, a high-achieving manager in a lot of companies. He was actually, when he was 18 years old, he was the regional manager of WH Smith in the, in the UK. Um, he, was, he was a regional manager. Um, so he always like excelled and believed in pushing and doing new things. And so um, I started, you know, quite early on, uh, when I, when I taught martial arts and then became a martial arts instructor um, as a teenager, about 18, 19 years of age, uh, you can see the, the difference in ideals then when my mother doesn't want me to do martial arts because I might get injured or hurt myself. Mm. Um, whereas my father's like, yeah, just go and do it. Sounds great. And then when I became a martial arts instructor, qualified as a black belt, um, I then wanted to start my own business and open up my own um, academy, get my own students. Gotcha. Uh, my mother would say, you know, you've got to focus on getting a real job. And my father would say, go and start it. If you, if you fuck up and fail, then you'll learn some lessons out of it. But yeah, you know, that. fail hard, fail forward. So what actually made you, what was the catalyst to get into martial arts? Like what, what, what made you do that? Was there, was there like a reason for why you chose that? Was you influenced by someone? Was it kind of forced on you by something, a situation, because we had uh, Mike Chang on before and he was talking about how his area, like literally just his area, the environment he grew up in, was the reason why he wanted to be the strongest, most badass motherfucker there was walking the street. So it's always an interesting question. People kind of jump over that piece, but what, can you remember what kind of it was that made you want to do that? Yeah. Martial arts isn't easy, either, is it? <laughs> Getting punched no, in the face. No. I mean, I've got no crazy um, story like that. I mean, I, I just grew up loving Batman, Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, anything Kung Fu fighting. I was always uh, amazed by the fighting side of it. I um, grew up reading Bruce Lee books and things. Oh like man, I was just going to ask you about Bruce Lee. What a yeah, guy. I just, I just love all that stuff. Um, and then never had much interest in actually going into fighting though. And then about 14, 15 years of age, um, a good friend of mine in school, he said he was starting a martial arts class in uh, Tang Sudo because he had to do some voluntary hours to get his... Um, Duke of Edinburgh award or something like so he was like I'm just gonna go into these martial arts classes do you want to come along with me because I think it's gonna be it's gonna suck <laughs> like, sure, as a friend I'll come along you know I've seen Power Rangers I can do some stuff uh, and then you know, a month later he quit and I stayed on and ended up going all the way to become a black belt in it then uh, but for me it wasn't so wow. much the side of it it was uh, not the fitness the, 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 the fighting technique that's all great for me, what, I, what really got me into martial arts and staying in it was, was the personal development aspect, the setting discipline for yourself, the personal growth, all these lessons we would learn from life that your teachers, parents, you know, you wouldn't get from anywhere else. Mm. And you go into the martial arts class and it's like you're, you're treated like an adult and you're, you're taught all these concepts, you're held to accountability, you're held to standards, you're forced to go beyond what you think you can do, you have community support, all these things which, you know, spoiler alert, will come back into, our, into the fitness story later on, I'm, I'm sure. But it's these concepts that like wowed me and realized um, the personal development and things I could do from it. Um, and you know, the, the, the techniques, the forms, 
the competitions that was all like that was just bonus exercise fun for me mm, i have to agree man i mean i i trained mixed martial arts i i actually started boxing uh, became an aba qualified boxing coach and uh and then it was from boxing i remember i used to coach at a gym locally called gym 01 it's actually quite a, a prestigious gym here in the South, they've had uh, Phil Harris is one of the guys that went to the UFC, fought five fights in the UFC. You've got guys like uh, Matt Hughes, not the guy in the UFC, another one who's fought on Cage Warriors, James Pennington. Uh, there's so many of to the top level guys. And I remember I was boxing, teaching my boxing class upstairs and I kept just getting drawn to look at the mats downstairs and I could see them all like doing some striking. It looked really versatile, you know, it looked really really good and I liked the way they were moving and I was like well that's fucking different you know they're not so they're not so sideways on like these guys are front on and you know they're shooting for takedowns I was like oh, I'd like to try that I remember going up to the head coach there a guy called Brian Adams and no it isn't the singer and yes if you say that to him he will kick you in the fucking face <laughs> and uh, I remember going up to him and I was like yo Brian um do you reckon I can join in on the uh on the jiu-jitsu class after he was like, yeah, for sure. Now, obviously, back then, there was, when I first started out at that gym, it wasn't, they didn't have the regulations they have now. So now they have like a proper grading system for, for the MMA classes, as well as the jujitsu they've got. It's in every aspect. So you have to kind of start, even if you've been doing it before, if you go to their gym fresh, they'll get you to start on drills, you know, and then they'll work you through the classes. And uh, back, back then, it was just the animals were down there. <laughs> it was just, th those guys would just fucking Local each other up. And all that. And those yeah, you know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, the guys that just look like your nightmare. and You don't want to actually start. But he was like, well, yeah, for sure. You can, you can go down. And I remember within minutes of, of, of training jujitsu with those guys and being tapped out and just being put into positions I didn't even know what existed. Uh, I just fucking fell in love with the, the the game. Like it wasn't the fact that I wanted to compete at that point. I was just like, damn, like this is so fucking cool. Like I'm learning so much stuff. And every time I went away from a jujitsu class, there was this aspect of personal development that you mentioned, you know, and it was like, I'm really feel like I'm growing by going to these. And yes, I'm learning cool techniques, but I feel like I'm getting support here. And it was stuff that I hadn't experienced before. So I have to say, man, I relate to you on many levels with that. I feel like that's a, do you reckon that they should put it in school, like mixed martial arts? Um, that's a big question. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure they, uh, maybe they should. I'm not sure if they could, you know, just not get back. I'm not sure the public, uh, put, put, yeah, probably. <laughs> quite there yet but you know I, when I went to teach martial arts I even brought um, my martial arts classes more traditional you know Tang Sudo style I brought that into into a few schools mm. uh, with that but I think if I'd even now oh, that was 15 years ago when MMA was still it was the the George St. Pierre Matt Hughes kind of days yeah even now I think with Conor McGregor and I think I think even then people would still have an issue so I don't think it's quite there yet um it would be great for kids, you know, I think, but, uh, mm, I, I believe it would be, it would be a great move. I feel like there's, there's so much more than just doing all these different things in PE, you know, one day, one week it's rounders. <laughs> the next week you're kicking a football. Like in baseball. No, yeah. You've got no fucking clue what you're doing there other, other than the fact that you just have to do it. Whereas with, 
you know, martial arts, you could pick a discipline that you really enjoy and then you can hone in on that craft and that skill and, 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 and benefit in many other ways. But yeah, See, like, I, I wish I did that growing. The only thing I did growing up was watching um, Jason Bourne so much that I ended up doing a Krav Maga class thinking I was going to be the British um, Jason Bourne. That lasted about three sessions because they were hard fuckers in there, mate. My arms felt like they were dislocated every time I came out. And uh, that was when I was younger. I was like, fuck doing that again. And I left. Uh, that's, that's the extent for me. <laughs> yeah. So, bro, uh, I'm curious to know then. So, you, you, because I want to just try and figure out what steps you took and how hard it was for you to get into teaching the disciplines of martial arts. So, between the point where we were just talking about to actually having your own classes set up, just, just dive into that and unpack it a little bit and give some insight into like what the steps were like. And, you know, was it hard? Was it difficult to get going? Did, did... I didn't actually want to do it, but um, when you become a black belt, you know, you, it's in, in this, in Tang Sudo at least, I, was, I started at the time doing more like um, wrestling, Budo, MMA and stuff um, on the side. Um, but in my main focus, which was this Tang Sudo, as soon as I qualified for the black belt, my instructor then said to me, you know, you can start basically taking a class of your own and expand our organization. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really think I was ready. Like, I mean, you never do. Mm. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm just gonna keep, I'm just gonna keep learning. And, and he's like, Oh yeah, sure. You're going to keep learning, but you need to also, you, you know enough that you can now start teaching on, I mean, you can help white and yellow belts, at least no problem. Uh, and I was just a bit reluctant. I was like, look, I'm not really, and I wasn't really, into it i didn't really care about teaching other people to be honest um i was just learning it for myself and i said no nah, you know, I'm, I'm good for now thanks but i'm just gonna keep going as normal and then i came back in that was the monday session i came back in for the friday session get to the class and i get a text off my instructor who says i'm not coming in you lead the class oh <laughs> shit he did you yeah like <laughs> so, Okay, so you know, and I just had to had to step up and do it, and again realized, wow, I can actually do this. This is actually quite fun. And um, in a couple of weeks later, then I I, I set up um, another class. He also then this was in this was in South Wales, and, and he also worked between South Wales and London. So he moved more to London full time to focus on things down there. I took over the class. Uh, so this was the students who were, you know, a few ranks behind me as I'd been coming up the ranks and I was a black belt. Now I was taking these guys the rest of the way and helping them to help the brand new starters. And, um, then I opened up a few more classes, uh, around a couple of schools. I, I approached some schools and said, um, yeah, this would be great for the kids and everything. And, and I, I worked with a trust called the 3G Trust in Wales, which I think was an initiative to get more kids active. And basically, uh, I worked with them and they funded me. So I was only about 17, 18 at the time. They funded me to, um, to help underprivileged kids. So I could go to the schools and say, if any kids you know, are like uh, underprivileged or have, you know, in, uh, the parents have any you know, income earning problems or whatever, we, they can come to these sessions for free. Uh, and I can give it to the other, the other students for a good price for the school. Um, three or four schools were like, yeah, no problem. Go ahead. Mm. And they promoted it. And then we had, you know, dozens of 
dozens of kids in each class. So I was about 19 years old right now with about four academies with about, you know, a couple of hundred students. Wow. Three, four pounds a session. But I had no concept at the time. This was like a business. This was just me doing my hobby, doing things, putting out flyers, giving away, um, was it like iPod shuffles at the time was prize giveaways, things like that. You know, I was just doing a lot of these things that we now call marketing strategies. Yeah. I was just doing it because I thought it was a cool idea or I picked up a couple of articles online and seen it. Um, but I was just so invested in doing it because it was fun and I just believed in the message and the story so much. It actually became really superfluous and all started growing a lot. Wow. Um, and yeah, and so that's really how it started taking off from there. Do you know, there's one thing to, that I want to, I want to just go back a couple of steps. You spoke about how at first when it, the universe, if we, if we will, gifted you the opportunity the first time you turned it down, you said, nah, it's cool. I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. And that was mostly just, I guess, fear-based, a low level, a subconscious level. Like maybe I'm not good enough to do that and teach people and lead. But then it's funny how, when you were forced, I guess, <laughs> in some way you were put into a position where you had no choice that you discovered that actually you were fully capable that well, you were worth it that you could do it the problem is we talk a lot we talk a lot too much about desires like what do we want in life what do we want to do and the issue is your desire is always limited by your belief so i had no belief that i would i could be an instructor so therefore i had little desire to do it as soon as I was then reluctantly forced to teach a session against my will, even though I didn't enjoy it, I, I realized and gained a belief that, wow, I can do this. Suddenly you start getting ideas of how you might do it. And then your desire, your potential gap closes and then desire becomes sparked out of that. So that's something I, you know, I, I talk with business owners a lot about is um, we, we've got, you've got to get that contrast of your, we look too much at the desires and don't look at your, your beliefs. So what you believe is possible for yourself. When you believe more is possible, you'll have bigger desires to do those things. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm, I'm huge on that, man. I feel like it does all come down to self-belief at the end of the day. You know, it really does. You strip away everything else. It, it's self-belief. Like how much do you fucking believe that you can do the thing that it's, is that you're setting out to do? I feel like that's one of the biggest uh, key fundamental differences, in my opinion, between why someone can go through someone's course, make 10K a month, and someone else can go through the exact same systems, the exact same strategies, and then nothing. Not seeing even sign one client up. And you know, it's okay. you will see when it comes to, are you going to trade time for money? Or are you going to hire a coach to work for you and open up your own facility or scale to multiple locations? It's just... The ones who say, well, I don't want to do that. I like being small. I'm heart-centered. Mm. It's like, no, you're just full of shit and too afraid to grow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Nailed it, man. And, and I mean, the next thing that I'd like to just unpack about what we've been talking about, I'm loving this convo so far, man, um, is, is the, the marketing strategies. You said that you didn't have any clue that you were actually doing those things, but you were learning OTG, I'm, I might say, on the job. You know, yeah. you, you're put in a position where... You, you weren't really aware that the, the strategies you were using were actually marketing strategies. So how much do you think, like, obviously it sounds like a silly question, but how much do you think those guerrilla type marketing strategies have helped you now with, with what you're doing today? 
Well, the strategy, yeah, I mean, the strategies are amazing. What, what the interesting thing, let's go back to Bruce Lee and, and something Bruce Lee always says is that, you know, to a beginner, a punch is just a punch and a kick is just a kick. To the student, a punch is a lot more than a punch and a kick is way more than just a kick. And to the master, once again, a punch is just a punch and a kick is just a kick. Mm. You heard that same from Bruce Lee? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I loop this into marketing is when we begin with our passion and our fuel and we just want to do it and help people, we tend to get momentum going, right? Because we're doing, we're getting, we're, oh, let's like run some, let's like boost a post and send it to more people. Let's like do a giveaway. Let's just do this. Let's call up our clients because we're full of passion. Then when we start learning, these have to be marketing strategies and tactics. It just sometimes like just drains the love and personality out of those things. And the same thing for me, when I was doing all that effortlessly in the beginning, I was getting somewhere. When I then um, started to like, not with martial arts, when I went to fitness and opened my, my fitness, my fitness boot camp, and I was so obsessed more with like, what is the right strategy? How do I, I would overthink everything. Yeah, but is an iPod the best thing to give away? Are people gonna like it? How much is that gonna cost me? How do I get opt-in forms? How much should I spend on a Facebook ad? What should I say? What's the best image? And as soon as you're a student and it's way more complicated, that's when actually it starts stalling. Mm. And the initial spark is gone. But then when you say become a master and you go back to, you know what? Just put a fucking Facebook ad out. Just, just do a giveaway. Just, just put the flyer out. A flyer is mm. just a flyer. A Facebook ad is just a Facebook ad. Yeah. Uh, and suddenly, then you know that's when you get to that conscious. You, the, the difference is the master. You have the the conscious level of knowing that there is not there is nothing to make more complicated. There's nothing you're missing out on. There's no special hack you're missing. Mm. You have the confidence to know you've been through that cycle and you wasted a bunch of time. And well, you didn't waste it, but you struggled in that time in order to get to the other side to, to realize once again, it is just the basics. I'm just overthinking it. Anyone can do this. It's absolutely simple. Let's just have a laugh, smile and have fun doing it. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people struggle with it, man. I feel like a lot of people do think there's something special. There's like a, a source, you know? Well, that's what Maybe. I did. And I, I did it because when I, was doing martial arts, I didn't have that because I wasn't really attached to an outcome. I was still, you know, I was, I was a student in, in university, I was in college, university, so I was living on my student loans, I was in college. This was just like a part-time gig for me a few times a week. I didn't think of it as a business. When I, a couple of years later, went into, went into my fitness boot camps, I was taking some of the same ideas and strategies, but now it was like my income has to, paying my rent has to be based on this yeah. same thing you tell like you know like like guys who want to go and like like chat up girls or other way around it's like when you're just being friendly and open you have no outcome agenda you can just go and talk to a person right give a compliment ask for a phone number say hi but when you have an outcome in mind like i need this person to do something for me you overthink it you hesitate you double step uh and it just destroys the whole thing so I think that's the difference where the fit pros are struggling is um, they don't find enjoyment in all these things because they're, they're too much attached to an outcome. Yeah. And anytime they're looking for scripts and templates, it basically means you're looking for a way to manipulate someone to get the outcome you want 
rather than, you know, I believe in having a structure to do things, but you've got to go back to that mindset of not changing what you're doing, but the energy of how you're doing it to giving value. And, you know, doing a sales consult is about helping a person who has a real problem to ask them questions and help them find some clarity with no expectation of anything in return. Do a good job, they'll probably end up signing up with you. Facebook ad to me is not about spending marketing to convince people of stuff. It's this is a post of content or information or an offer that I think is so good. I want to pay my own money to make sure 10,000 people get the chance to jump on this mm. yes. with no expectation of anything in return. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I see this whole loop coming out. And that's why so many fit pros are stuck in their head because they're too attached to the outcome. Mm. Do you think, because that's really cool that you brought that up, and do you reckon that's the same when it comes to investing in programs? Because for me, personally, like I probably only once ever invested in a program going into it like, I need to make that money back. All the other times I've invested in programs, like I'm not concerned with getting that revenue back in the form of the revenue that I put in. Like I, I'm, more, I'm, I'm more concerned about the experience that I'm going to go on what I can learn from that experience and then how, how can I then leverage that to create the results that I yeah. might get in my business, you know? Yeah. Cause I've made that mistake in the early days. And I know now again, that like if you invest in a program and you have to make an ROI in 30 days, you probably shouldn't be investing in that program. You know, it's like, it's pretty simple. You're looking for a quick fix, a magic bullet, a, a special drug to save you in 30 days. Um, and, and, that, and that's the issue. If, if you're in that position, then you're probably just not doing the basics of stuff that's online. And I didn't, you know, I, I took my first studio to 7K a month just doing stuff I read from free blog posts. You know, I didn't get any special mentoring or handholding to get going. You know, I just did what was written on there and just actually did it. And most fit pros today, and because I, 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 this was nine years ago, so before Facebook ads were, were a thing, this was before we had all the competition today, it was a bit of a simpler time for me. I didn't, and, and fit pros today, I think they just want to sit there and make a Facebook ad work because they totally take it for granted. And, you know, I came from that time where I didn't have Facebook ads to do that. So I had to just get off my ass, go outside for three hours a day, talk to people in coffee shops, stop strangers on the street, offer two week free trials to anyone, walk into schools, salons, sports teams, chiropractors, nutritionists. You know, I had to do all these things because there was no put a Facebook ad online. Yeah. Um, when Facebook ads did come along, that just accelerated my results. Um, I pretty much doubled our business in a couple of weeks, pretty much. Um, but because of that, I, I learned to maximize them, but not take them for granted. Mm. Whereas, the fit pros who've come into the industry the last three, five, six years, all they've ever known is just run a Facebook ad. You're not going to talk to anyone or do anything. Just invest in this program. We'll teach you the magic Facebook system and you'll sit back and never have to do anything ever again. Mm. And it's, it's the yeah, internet just... marketing. It's the in internet marketing rise that has seeped into so many, you know, experts and coaches and mentors. Um, who've just learned things from internet marketers who've never actually run a, a physical brick and mortar fitness business um, mm. or any business usually other than just a business teaching you how to make money by teaching other people how to make money. 
Uh, and so there's this, there's this huge bubble that's you know about to implode this year um, of all that stuff falling to the seams where, um, yeah, I know this is probably another conversation for another time, but it's so multidimensional and so interesting um, where this mindset, you know, I think the last five, six, seven years, the, the, the mindset of, of the Fit Pro was, I've got to, you know, I've got to make this work if I'm, I'm, I'm scared to invest. I think we're, we're getting beyond that point now. I think, I think you know, in, and I've said this in some of my videos on my YouTube channel, in this decade going forward, if you don't get your shit together really fucking quickly, you're not going to have a business to play around with in a couple of years. Yeah. The opportunity was the last 10 years starting a boot camp when there was no competition, no one else doing it. Um, you know, running challenges, running Facebook ads. Now everyone's doing it. Most people are doing it poorly. And we need, we're into <clears throat> 2020 is about, we have to re-innovate things again. Yeah. And the fit pros who've been struggling, you know, I hate to say this, but you know, if you've been in fitness business, a gym boot camp, if you're a good coach and you've been going two years and you've not got a consistent 10K a month income yet, Maybe you just need, maybe it's not the mentors or the Facebook or maybe it's just, you're not as good as you think you are. And maybe you should just consider getting a job for somebody else, mm. right? Because yeah. entrepreneurship is not for everyone. People you know, like to think it is, but it's not. <laughs> it's, not. It's, only, it's only once you get going and you're chewing glass and fucking, you know. All that dream for the last 10 years by internet marketers of anyone can just push up buttons on a laptop now and have a business that works for them. Mm by internet marketers who've never actually run a business. And you know, their idea of a 10K a month business is just four people paying them $2,500 a month for the three months retention they actually keep those clients for. Yeah. So I think the mentality overall is fit pros have just bought into this stuff for too long. And it's really, it's, we talk about the end user, like you know, the, the Karens of the world who are influenced by shitty nutrition documentaries and, and fads and juice diets and fit pros have that same dysmorphia with business. They, they, you know, they think they can just set something up and sprint to six figures in 90 days. It's like, you know, you wouldn't expect to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to get into MMA today. And in, in, in 90 days, I'm going to be competing against Conor McGregor. Yeah. Do you I, know, it's, it's the short game, man. I feel like most people are just stuck. They're playing the short game too much. Like employees in their mind. Yeah, they kind of come into things. And, and, and I feel like what doesn't really help as well, though, is the fact that you, all you've got to do is be connected with, a, a, you know, one fitness business coach or a couple that are decent in the space and see that, the, you know, there's students of theirs getting 10, 30, 40K months as a fit pro. And you're like, oh, my God, like, that's got to be possible for me. And, and then they expect it to be done in 90 days, not taking into consideration that maybe that person has had 10 years experience running a brick and mortar business, or maybe that person's had five years experience as a fucking coach for something else or someone else. So like there's things that people don't consider and they're all just ultimately focused on this short game, you know? And I feel like people that are focused on the short game, like you're going to run out of space to run. You have to you have to understand that this this shit is 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 a is a is a journey, and you have to enjoy the journey just as much as the destination. It can't be the opposite way round, because it's just too short sighted. Sure. And Raz Slaughter mentioned um, I don't know if it was on the podcast or if it was via a, a message. I can't remember which one it was. But he predicted how 
especially back when, when I was a PT maybe three, four years ago, um, and probably even actually before that as well within the industry, it used to be all heavily based around connection, human to human, the trainer to their client, right? Connection and story to story, even though story to story wasn't really that much of an awareness thing back then, but they were doing that subconsciously anyway. And then it's transitioned to the online space. I can skip being a, uh, an in-person PC. I can jump straight online, right? Because it's the easier route to go down. Yeah. And, um, and he goes that, it, and it's very true, is what you're saying just then, Justin, that there's a bubble of, of this transition that's happened of all these PTs and online coaches who lack human-to-human skills, right? And he reckons that's going to burst. And now there's going to be a whole spin around now from what it used to be of human-to-human connection is going to be the only way forward is now coming back to what we're yep. going to be approaching very soon. Fuck, Rich Wellington said the same thing on the podcast the other day, didn't he? Yes. Here's my opinion. Last 10 years, it was cool to be an entrepreneur in fitness. The next 10 years, it's going to be cool again to be an employee working for guys who built successful fitness companies. That makes that make that I can see that. It's probably not what I should be saying, but it's it's the truth. It's and there's so many we turn away more fit pros than we allow onto our program. If you come waving the money, we have to interview you first. Um, because we do a quick assessment test and for half the guys, we say, you know what? We just don't estimate. You're just not cut out to do the, the things that we're going to ask you to do. It's not for everyone to, you know, because the people that we let in, otherwise, you know, we'll say, well, go and do X, Y, and Z. They don't do it. And they, they want to know, but what's the workaround? What's the answer? What's the shortcut? When it's like, well, the shortcut, get a 95 job. <laughs> um, because this is way hard and getting harder it's been easy the last few years run some Facebook ads now it's getting a lot harder the next 10 years mm. so this lack of perspective in the industry um, is, is, has been you know so just just so skewed so, and especially the online stuff like you get, we run we run an online um, fitness business too with my partner we have over a thousand clients it is the hardest business in the world to run you know um, I've, it's far easier far cheaper and far faster to make money with a local business than it ever will be with an online business. And I'm probably the only guy ever to say to, who will say that because I have, you know, local facilities running. I've run local businesses for nine years and we have on, an online business with over a thousand clients. And I'll tell you one thing, the local businesses are far easier, mm. far easier on marketing, on sales, on fulfillment, on retention, um, on differentiation, authority positioning, everything, right? You know, so, one yeah, of the one yeah. of the reasons why I can see that 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 does make a lot of sense to me is because of uh, client experience. When it, I feel like when it's in person. So if I go back to when I first started working at Fitness First, right? And um, we're going back some years now, but I, I worked out of uh, Fitness First, and you know, we were taught all of the stuff by our amazing manager and he's, he's still a friend of mine today. Um, and you know, fly going out with flyers and walking into shops, the amount of contracts that I, that I sold by literally walking into like a BNH, a B, a BNS or like a, a, a Morrison's or, or whatever it was like walking in there and just talking to the staff regularly and, and popping my face in there. And then I remember once I come back, I went into a, into a shop, with a contract, this lady that said, you know, she was going to sign up and she kept putting it off. And I remember walking in there with the contract and I fucking got her to sign it in her own workspace and took it back. So like a lot of the things that I learned from doing that have 
have helped me build what I have online now. But I feel like it's the actual experience that is harder to cultivate for people online than it is in person. You know, in person, for example, if someone walks into your gym and it's the first time they've ever been to that gym and you have a big smile on your face and you greet them really nicely and then you walk, you walk them around the gym and you ask them questions about what they would like to, to actually do before just walking around every fucking piece of equipment and going, this is an abs machine, this is a leg machine. Like actually speak to them, you talk to them, you find out what they're there for because they might not even want to know what an abs machine is. Right? And then you, you spend all this time so I feel like and then introducing them to other members you know and 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 making sure they feel really confident com comfortable in your gym like all of those things they're harder touch points to create in the online space I'm not saying it's the hard it's really hard but it's harder I believe well in a fitness boot camp it's simple right you know you see a client three hours a week in person you don't have that luxury online so retention automatically just got 10 times harder yeah yeah. And, and I'm a great believer in the fact that you, you can build a business through retention and referral. There's, you know, you don't have to market so heavily. Can, but I don't know why you'd want to with all the opportunities we have today. To market, yeah. YouTube podcast, you've got your own radio show, radio station. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Or TV channel. You could. I don't like that line of thinking because I think that's kind of turning away all the opportunities we're given in, 2000, in, the, in the 2000s. Um, oh, that's huge. You know, yeah. But if, you, but if you, I like, you know, I like where you come from. If you, if you made the intent that that's how you want to build it, and all this stuff is just bonus. That's it. The added bonuses, the things yeah. that what were you talking about earlier about not taking advantage of them, you know? And that's that's the way that's the way that I see it. It's like it's all there and it's abundant, but people just to take they rely too too heavily on a lot of the stuff use, that we use have. all of it that's you know people are too like is it organic or paid or you know referrals or, or cold approach it's like use all of it just don't get attached to any one of them mm. you know if it was like i see these adverts like i got this many clients without spending anything on ads and they wear that like a badge of honor and i'm like well you're fucking dumb because i could have done the same <laughs> 200 pounds a day on facebook ads and, and got 5x the return that you did so it, yeah. you know, i love that i fucking love that man. Ads, facebook ads great how many referrals did you activate none so how do you know your service is any good well i don't you know how long is your attention i don't know i'm not tracking it okay we'll see if you're still in business in 12 months from now yeah man, i love it dude so let, let's t let's try and get back on track with the story right because what i want to know is is how did you get into boot camps so you were running the academies, like what, what, how did that happen? How did you then step into running boot I was, in the, I was still living in the UK then, because I was still just finishing up my, um, my college stuff. I still had no idea what I wanted to do with my life at this point, by the way. Um, I thought maybe some retail, because that's what my dad did. So I had work experience at W. H. Smith, and I was a great worker. I went there every day, so I was like 16, 17 doing this. I, I went to work every day. Uh, I showed up on time. I did all the tasks, but also I had this habit, I guess, of telling the employers there that they were doing everything wrong and they were idiots and should do it this way instead. And they were stocking all the wrong CDs. And, and <laughs> so the, the manager of the shop came back and said, you're a great hard worker, but you're just unemployable. Um, so I thought, okay, well, 
so I went to uh, went off to university for a year then, just because that's what my friends did, and I, I had no idea what to do with my life. I I just studied an Italian course because my family's Italian, so I thought that would be the easiest thing to get by <laughs> them. Um, and then in that year, that's when, when the martial arts was kicking off. So I was doing university for like four days a week, and then doing the martial arts. And really, I was I was partying four days a week and doing martial arts. I I went to about four lectures in the year. I just totally blew the whole thing off. But I met loads of friends. You know, universities about the social aspects. So I did a lot of like foam parties and um, you know <laughs> drinking games and things like that. <laughs> the socializing part done and so i really started realizing this this martial arts thing is really good but i still have the bad conditioning so my parents uh were like you know this is all great i was i was i was probably making about three grand a month right now I was a 19 year old stupid student getting drunk three times a week and doing martial arts three times a week making about three and a half grand a month right so i had more money i thought i had more money than god at the time Mm. Um, and I definitely had more money than sense. Can I just um, say, a lot of people probably would have stayed there. It's interesting that yeah, <laughs> you're on this podcast cool. now with the business you do, because most people would have been like, I fucking like this lifestyle, mate. <laughs> Get to go out on the shant at the weekends, as well as run a martial arts business, make a few grand. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, you know, and my, par- you know, my, my parents say, you know, it's, isn't it time like, to get a real job and think about your future? And because of my conditioning, I was like, oh yeah, I guess you're right. This isn't, I never thought of it as a business or I didn't think of getting into business myself. That was never like, you know, I didn't, didn't have any um, experience or any influence or exposure to that. So um, I was like, okay, you know, so I thought maybe something in fitness would be the closest thing to try out. Um, and as it happened at the time, talk about the universe in, intervening again, um, in one of my uh, mixed martial arts fights, then I actually, um, you can see, I, I uh, fractured my forearm here and had oh, uh, yeah. plates, and, uh, plates and pins put in. Um, so I realized I wasn't, you know, good enough to be a professional fighter. So <laughs> since I was getting beaten up. So, um, after that, I then tried getting, um, you know, rehab and physio and they wouldn't put me on the list. It was a six month waiting list for physio. And the doctor basically said, Oh, just try grabbing a pen and doing this. So I was like, this, okay, this is bullshit. So I went online, started researching myself, found a website called uh, Testosterone Nation or T Nation. Um, yeah. I started learning all about the strength and conditioning coaches, you know, your Alan Cosgroves, Mike Boyles, Chad Waterbury, um, Christian Thibodeau, all the smart guys, and got more into strength training and literally rehab my arm myself. And from there, you know, then I started learning about like core training and um, and what I, what I <clears throat> started to realize is that I wasn't good enough to go, um, pro in fighting, but I could start doing fitness, strength and conditioning for fighters. Mm. And so I go back to my martial arts Academy, the MMA place I trained at. Um, I basically stopped the martial arts at this point and, and disbanded all my classes. Um, and I was doing MMA shoot wrestling, things like that. And I'd go back to those guys and um, offer to do the strength and conditioning stuff for them and bring the dumbbells down and take them to the gym and stuff like that. <clears throat> and then I also started working part-time in an actual gym. I wasn't certified. I had no level two or three in it, um, or anything like that. But I managed to get a job in a, in a, in a small private-owned gym. Um, 
I, I just showed the guys I knew what I was doing. I was self-trained in fitness. I learned all the lifts, Olympic lifts myself, just by going to the gym and looking at T Nation, basically. And, um, and uh, yeah, I got my break working in a small gym. And from there, long story short, I just turned the whole place around, started implementing all the ideas. The boss was very hands-off. He was like, if it makes money, do what the fuck you want. <laughs> um, <Good> boss. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> on one hand. But then after six months, I was making all this money for the gym. This was, this must have been before I came, this was before I came to Cyprus, so about 10, 11 years ago. And I was taking all these concepts and I was learning from mentors in, in America. You know, so I, I, I stopped all the one-on-one -on -one training, started doing only semi-private boot camps. This is 10 years ago in the UK and the gyms, they never seen anything like this. So I started implementing all these things, different circuit training sessions, things like that. Um, charity fundraisers. Now I was learning marketing stuff. I was learning, well, they weren't called podcasts back then. They were just called audio interviews back then. Um, you know, all the online trainings, eBooks and things I could get. I was, I was implementing them all growing this gym. And then after six months realizing that, um, I wasn't getting paid anything more for it, but I was just doing it for the love of the process and just to take, try out all these things on somebody else's dime pretty much. Mm. Um, and so it came to a point then where I just realized I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting any more growth out of this. I wasn't getting any recognition from my boss. He was like, yeah, I do everything, but <laughs> you're not getting paid anything for it. And that's when I actually made the jump over to Cyprus because I realized at the time I thought this is it. I'm going to go on my own. I'm going to start my own fitness something, not a gym because I haven't got the capital for that, but maybe it's, I'd blown all my cash um, being young and stupid, remember? So, <laughs> so was that your, your all-in moment, would you say? Like the, the moment where you were like, okay, I'm just going to go all-in and, and see. Yeah, I didn't know what I was going to do, but at the same time, then uh, friends of my family, friends of my parents had a, an apartment here in Cyprus, and they said, you know, if you want to... I was looking at somewhere to travel that was you know, warm, and English speaking. So um, also as well, at this point, by the way, my father, who's a bit older, he had retired at this point. Um, he was over 55 at the time. And he had then retired. Him and my mother had separated when I was young. So he had now moved to Corfu with his new wife. And that was always his dream. After he retired from 60 years of work, he'd live in Corfu in Greece. And I was chatting to him and, and, you know, all around this time, all these kind of revelations all came at once. And he would tell, he was saying to me after about four months of retirement, he was bored as shit. Hmm. So he was like, I've made a big fuck up. I've, I've wasted the best 60 years of my life to then come to this sunny paradise island and I'm bored and I, I might start a fucking vegetable farm or something to make some money. <laughs> so he was like, don't make that same mistake. If you want to go somewhere, go and you know, build your lifestyle in the place you want to be first and then build a business around that. Um, and so... All good advice. That is good advice. It's really solid advice. So I was looking, I was reading things like the four-hour work week at the time as well, saying about, you know, take the dive, do something different with your life. I still want to stay in the same old, you know, South Wales town, making shit money. When I'd learned all this stuff, I knew I could do more. Um, I wasn't employable, apparently. 
you know, said that the, the £30,000 a year making manager at WH Smiths. So um, I was looking at going to either like Australia, California, Miami, somewhere warm English speaking. And that's when the friends of my parents said, we have a place in Cyprus, which is sunny. Uh, it's full of English people. You don't, you don't have to speak any Greek. Everyone speaks English there. And it's only four hours away on a plane. Um, and they said, there's a huge lack of fitness instructors. You could crush it over there. So I was like, okay, bought my one-way ticket. Um, three weeks later, one-way ticket, told my boss at the gym I was quitting. He desperately then tried to make me stay. He promised to put me on a level three reps course. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> um, I never got, I've, I've never became a certified personal trainer, by the way. If that's a mindset block for me, I'm, I'm not, a, per, I'm not a, a qualified personal trainer. Dude, I relate uh, heavily. I walked out of my, uh, my level three uh, about four weeks before the exams. I just realized they were teaching a lot of shit. Yeah. And, and, and I was like, I don't want to be certified by reps. I'm sorry. I don't want my name near it because at that point I'd already similar to you. I had a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience. So I knew when I went into that course way more than most people, I was hammering through the workbooks, but it's just about getting that paper. And I believed I needed the paper, the green, the green card to say, yes, I can train from a gym. And then I realized I could use my relationships and my network to work in a fucking private gym. Anyway, people were yeah. just like, we want you to come and train here, Matt, because one, you'll drive some members, and two, you're good at fucking training people. So I found out I could do it anyway, you know? I did get level two. I, I got my level two in college at the time. Same. Um, and I got other certifications in strength and conditioning and things like that. So yeah, same thing in real world stuff. I, I, I thought I knew my shit enough anyway. I wasn't planning to do one-on-one -on -one PT anyway. I knew I wanted to do groups because I knew that was more like where things were going in the future. So. Mm. Um, and I tested out the semi-private model in the gym and people had loved it. You know, instead of paying 35 pounds for one session, one-on-one, -on -one, four of them could pay 20 pounds each. All right. And, and that's better for everyone. So, uh, I took the flight, came over to Cyprus, got here, didn't know like absolutely anyone. Um, I, I got the apartment and, um, and that's when I started the boot, the fitness boot camp. So to really wrap up that long-winded question, back to what you asked in the first place, the fitness boot camp, and it was just um, I'd spent all my money now as well on 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 getting over here. I paid for three months' rent to, to um, my parents' friends offered it the place for free, but I said no. I want to pay you rent, and I want to pay you three months up front to show I'm serious. So I paid all that. Um, had pretty much next to nothing when I got here then. And I found basically um, just a, a patch of grass outside, outside, a, it was like a, a residence complex where they have like a little, a little gym inside, a tiny, tiny gym, a spa, pool, all this kind of thing. And there's a little play area outside with a good patch of grass, you know, where you could, you could fit a good 10, 15 people and do a good little class there. It's good weather, you know, so you don't got to worry about rain or anything. And um, basically I, I, scouted out the place like I could see that the manager would pull onto the premises about 7 a.m. in the morning so I thought right if I do my sessions earlier than that I can get people on there train them uh, and then get off before anyone actually spots me on there doing it right it. <laughs> so um, that's what I and by 7 a.m. it gets pretty hot anyway in the summer it's too hot to do anything at that point 
So that's why I started doing basically and using those guerrilla marketing tactics, knocking on all the doors. Uh, this is where a mentor called Chris McCombs, who um, was a real pivotal figure for me. Um, I'm actually interviewing him on my podcast uh, tomorrow night, actually, which is kind of crazy. But um, yeah, I read on, on, on his blog at the time that you know he'd done something called the human billboard method, which is just go and train 60 people for free for 30 days in return for getting referrals. And, and that's what I did. I just talked to every single female I could find if I saw someone jogging on the street, if I, um, you know, the, the, the lady like doing like, you know, um, scanning my groceries at the supermarket, um, waitresses serving me at restaurants, um, absolutely anyone. I was like, hey, I want to give you 30, I'm a, I'm a broke personal trainer. I've got no money for marketing, but I know I can get results. So you come down to my boot camp and let me train you for 30 days completely free. And when your friends start asking you how you're getting in such good shape, you just tell them about me and it's, you know, 67 euros a month for them to join. Wow. And after a month, either you'll get, you'll get me referrals and we can keep training you for free. Or if not, you know, we can look at other things. And I did that. I probably went out and approached about 300 people in about a week. And, um, you know, probably, you know, about 250 people thought I was crazy. 50 people said yes. And about 30 people actually turned up to the actual thing, right? Wow. So I love that. 30 people after one month, you know, about 10 of them probably referred one or two people. Um, one of them referred like 10 people to me. Um, and the other 10, 15 people who didn't refer, five of them just dropped off. And the other five said, um, I, haven't, I can't refer anyone, but I love it. Can I just keep paying you the regular fee? Mm. Wow. And that was it. Tra tra trainers aren't ready to do that. Trainers, no. especially today, they're not ready to, one, they're not ready to approach 300 people. They're not ready to approach 50 people, you know? And two, they're not prepared to, when they're broke, because here's the thing, when the trainer's sitting there and they're broke, they want to make money now. Mm -hmm. And I remember myself going through that cycle as a broke trainer. I was broke because like, I need to make money now. So I turned down so many opportunities that can make me money next week because I'm like, well, what's the point making money next week? Because that means I'm going to be broke from now to next week. I need yeah. to make money now. I'll wake up next day, need to make money now. And that cycle prevented me from making any money. I'm training today. I will not go 30 days, for example, giving somebody a free training. Like that. earlier, right? That's what we talked about where, where you know, Matt, you said about um, the, Short the game. game number one. And then we talked about the fact that most of them are just not cut out for this. Because mm. they, especially those who've come into this game the last three to five years and all they've had is click funnels and Facebook ads. Remember when I did this, there was no Facebook ads, right? If there was, I probably would have been lazy and entitled as well, right? And been desperately searching for the magic Facebook ad, but I wasn't. There was like, do this or get evicted and go home. So it was like, well, okay. Um, and so I'm immensely grateful that I had that opportunity at that time to know what it's like to hustle and get in the trenches. Mm. So that now we use Facebook ads quite a lot, but if they went down tomorrow, if, if, if all our boot camps just collapsed tomorrow, I would not even freak out. I'd be disappointed, but I'd not freak out because I could, I know, and this is the conviction you only get from an exercise like this. I know I can walk onto the street right now. I can walk down to Starbucks and I would walk out with 10 women wanting to trial my boot camp tomorrow. 
because I would literally just walk up to them, say hi, oh hey there, I see you there with your kids. Sorry not to bother you. I'm not a rapist or anything, but like <laughs> uh, I just opened a boot camp for busy mums, and I want to get it off the ground. I'm wondering, do you go to a gym anywhere, or would you like a two week free pass? No one, yeah. no one blows a rape whistle or slaps me or throws water in my face. Yeah. Well, oh, either oh, I'm actually at a gym, but thanks anyway. Or, oh, that sounds cool. Can I have one for my friend as well? Yeah, mate, you know, it, it's the, the, I feel like just to wrap up this part of the combo, it's the fear of being rejected for so many people. People just haven't built up the resilience against rejection. And I feel like that's one of the biggest lessons I took from the, the brick and mortar side stuff was that, you know, approaching people in the street. You know, I even did, uh, I worked for the air ambulance for, for a certain period of time too basically standing outside a shop with a banner behind me, a clipboard, and you had to get their, their, you had to qualify them and get the details. So it wasn't just like get all their details. If they didn't qualify for a will that in under the guidelines that you were given, you didn't, you like, you wouldn't get paid for the lead. So um, I learned a lot about being rejected. I remember being there in, in a Tesco's, right? And I've got this clipboard. I was shitting myself the first day I ever did it, even though I'd done outreach cold before it was just a different feeling i was like i don't know anything about wheels how am i supposed to like selling wheels by the way like people are gonna die and we were there to try and get them booked onto a, a, a paralegal money. <laughs> yeah and i remember standing in tesco's i was shitting myself shaking with this clipboard and like my mentor at the time was like go on go go you just got to walk up to them and speak to them and i was like i don't know what to say <laughs> like and he watched me bleed out man for a while before he taught me like the best opening line to be able to captivate people long enough for, for you to be able to talk to them and get the first question in so um and i just remember that fear that fear of rejection but it went once i got rejected like once you get rejected 10 15 20 30 50 100 times those no's are just part of the yes. You're just yeah. like, nope, okay, cool, next one. Oh, hi. And for anyone wondering what the cliffhanger was, what was the line that worked beyond all other lines was this. You walk up to the person, you stand directly in front of them, so you have to stop them in their path, and you say, do you have a will? And it's such a weird question that they go, excuse me? And as soon as they excuse, say, excuse me, you're locked into eye contact and you fuck it, it's game over. <laughs> like the rest of the pitch worked. So yeah, there you go. But mate, it's so true. I've loved this topic today because I feel like it's, it's something we've not really covered before on this podcast, you know? So I appreciate you diving into this stuff. I've got a question for you based on uh, who you are today versus who you were kind of back then when you first ever started out with your boot camp. Um, let's say, for example, you, you, could, you could step in a time machine now uh, in an alternate reality and you could go and stand face to face with Justin from a few years back when you first started your, your, your boot camp. What advice would you give him on life and business based on what you know now? So that's, that's an easy one because that's pretty much the advice I give most of the pros that come through our doors today. Makes um, sense. It's, it's, um, you're going to have to make a choice. Uh, you know, this is what we tell people, right? Um, you know, I, I, okay, if, you, if, you, if you're talking about the trainer who just hasn't got started and hasn't got any clients yet, you just need to go and talk to 300 people. That's it. Don't learn Facebook ads. Don't learn anything. Like, forget all that stuff. Just go and offer to help 300 people for free. You'll have 10 clients next month. Don't worry about it. Um, if you're at that point, though, where you're starting to build up a client base, 
and you're starting to validate what you do, like, okay, this is working, people are liking it, they're coming back, I'm getting results. And you start, that, that's that pivotal moment where they start hitting that time for money trap very soon. And the, the conversation needs to be had with the FitPro uh, or with myself at that point is I would have said to myself, do you want a job that you work for or do you want a business that works for you? And either one is fine, but you need to make a conscious choice because your strategy is going to be different depending on which objective you have. If you just want to be a, a trainer fully booked with sessions, do this. But if you want a business, a personal training business that will fulfill clients, you know, even beyond yourself and grow into something more substantial and you want to be a business owner, that's a whole different ball game with a whole different set of rules and strategies. And you need to do this. But the first is the decision of knowing where you're actually going. Because so many fit pros, again, it loops back. They think they're entrepreneurs and they're not. They think they want to be business owners and they don't. Right. Um, there was someone asked in a Facebook group the other day, they put a post up saying I'm coming up to like, I'm getting fully booked with 30, 40 clients. Um, I love it, but I'm super overwhelmed, getting stressed. I've got no more time left. What do I do? And I said this exact same thing. Well, you said you're not happy. Just if you're, if you're happy doing 20, 30, 40 hours a week of that and you love it, then all power to you do it and have a great little lifestyle um, hobby, income, self-employed job, right? But understand that's what it is. It's self-employed. You're employed. You have a job, right? You just own the job. And if that's what you want, and I was, for some guys they do, and that's absolutely perfect, or maybe at this time in your life, that's, that's fine. But if you are saying you want more and that's not making you happy, then the only other option can be you want to build a business out of it. And so I said, if that's the case, then you need to learn, you know, start learning about business, start learning about management, start learning about hiring people, start learning about finances. Um, and then, and then the PT responded, oh, but I don't want to learn that stuff. No, I'm, 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 I'm happy what I'm doing. And I was like, but that's totally contradictory to what you just said. You see, and that's what everyone's looking for is, you know, I'm totally burned out, overwhelmed training all these people, what's the next secret magic step? And I'm like, learn to be a business owner who learns to hire people and learn a whole new set of skills that goes beyond marketing and sales. Oh, I don't want to do that. Okay, then earn 5K a month the rest of your life. <laughs> that's, that's your options though, pal. Like, that's it. I like uh, the way you put that, really. It, that, is. it took me a couple of years to learn that through experience myself. But that's where I would go back and say to myself right now is just choose and there's no shame. Remember what I said, the next 10 years, it's going to be cool to be an employee again. Because yeah. guys like myself or many other guys who've built like Raz, guys who've like built many facilities now have cracked this new model. We're able to give back the opportunity. You know, we're, we, you know, we're hiring new coaches all the time at our gyms. And, they're, and a lot of like CrossFit people are coming to us now because they get to work in a gym like ours with the freedom, the responsibility, the growth um, that they've never previously been able to have. 10 years ago when I started, this wasn't, this wasn't an option. I wasn't able 10 years ago to leave that gym and go and work for a cool boot camp or transformation center or work for an online fitness business because no one had done it yet or very, very few. 
now the guys in the last seven years who've now built that model and are now in the position to actually turn around and, and employ others, we can now say to the me's of 10 years ago, hey, you can go work in a little gym or wipe sweat off treadmills in LA Fitness if you want with no career growth, no progression, no development, or you get the same money and, and more room for growth and you work in a small dynamic boot camp. We're gonna teach you mindset skills. We're gonna teach you content marketing. You're gonna run six week challenges. You're gonna do all this cool stuff, right? That is an opportunity for the fitness professional that was not available 10 years ago. It took just this, that last decade for the industry to mature to now provide that. And I think we're going to see in the, next, the fallout over the next 10 years is going to be these more successful gyms that have cracked the boutique model are now able to go and say to these struggling fit pros who are way over their head in debt, they hate sales, they hate management, they hate finances, they hate hiring people. They're stuck on 5, 10K a month and they just want to coach people. And we can say, hey, why don't you just come over here and do this with us? Like, you know, maybe we'll just, we'll just, you know, take over the gym, put our name on the door. And that's what we're doing right now is growing through acquisitions and mergers and say like, you know, we'll just take over the assets and pay you, take off your, your debts off you. And you'll just work, work as one of our coaches and you'll get, you know, a solid income every month, room for growth. We'll make you a facility manager one day. You have financial security and you get to just do what you came here for which is to do what you love. Now, yeah. eight out of 10 might say, yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, two or three out of 10 are always still gonna be like, that's awesome, but no, my calling is an entrepreneur. And that's when you know, like they're gonna figure it out themselves. And one or two out of 10 will know it's the right thing to do, to, to do but they, their ego won't let them do it. Yeah. Um, and that's, the, that's so I'm, I'm not by any means saying like, don't bother being an entrepreneur or anything like that. I'm just saying for a lot of fit pros watching this, you have been sold a lot of lies over the last 10 years of what it actually takes to succeed in business. It is not just marketing sales and being a good coach. That gives, that's, that's good for a job. But the other aspects of running, especially a six or seven figure business, everyone thinks they want a seven figure business. But when I tell most fit pros, Again, if I, if I would go back and speak to myself again, when I wanted a seven-figure business the first time, I would say, okay, well, you want a seven-figure business, a business that produces a million pounds of revenue a, a year uh, minimum, or let's say 100,000 pounds a month. Well, let's say the average healthy profit margin, net profit of a company is 20%. That means that for a 100K a month business, you're going to have 80,000 pounds in costs every month. How do you feel about that? And then most fit pros are like, whoa, I don't want to spend 80,000 pounds a month to make 20,000 back. I'm like, but that's a seven figure business. What else are you expecting? They've never made 80,000 in a month, let alone have to think about spending or being responsible for the payroll and overheads and taxes to grow a seven figure business. Because they think it's just playing with fucking funnels and Facebook ads. And that's why people need people like Justin Devonshire and the fitness business blueprint. That's I get, it. Yeah. For the ones who look at that and say, Oh wow. Okay. That is a big thing, but yes, I want to take it on. Great. Come and learn from us. We'll, we'll show you it right in realistic fucking terms that it'll take good what, one to three years probably to do it properly. 
Um, there's no 90 day fucking sprint where I come from. I love that. That's called truth there, man. And I don't hear that much. And if people say, whoa, you know what? That is a, that is a mind fuck. That's not quite what I expected. I'll say that's absolutely cool. You know, but like, just to be honest with you, like maybe it's worth going and find You can get good jobs with people now or, or, you know, be a contractor with someone else or take up a license or a franchise or something. Because these opportunities are available now and there's no shame in like not being an entrepreneur. It is, it is not for everyone. The yeah. same way Gary Vee talked about this in the video where the last 20 years, it was all about you have to, everyone has to go to college, you have to get a degree, you have to go to university and say everyone should do that is ridiculous. But now everyone's saying you have to be an entrepreneur and have a laptop lifestyle and that's equally as ridiculous. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, guys like like yourself and, and Bedrose Cooley and, you know, with, with what they do, it, it's making it easier for people to have the perks of being an entrepreneur without a- actually having to deal with the fucking, the grind of being an entrepreneur. So I think that's really, 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 really key to what we've been talking about today. Because today's podcast has been focused a lot on on the, on this thing, you know, this like this idea of playing the long game of putting in the work of understanding there's going to be challenges of, of going through the fucking loops, no matter how hard they are to climb through. And I, and I just feel like there's people like yourself of what you're doing, Bedrose Coolian and other guys in the industry that are giving, they're giving, they're using their experience and what they've built to be able to give back. And it might not be right now, but in 10 years, like you said, in five to 10 years, there's going to be this, this switch. And I can see that happening. I have to say I'm on that side of the fence where I can see that that makes sense to me, you know? Well, I think it's about, it's about, it's going towards, you know, intrapreneurship is the, is the thing. That's the one. And it's not going to invalidate anything we're talking about with Facebook ads or storytelling. Like none of that is going to be affected because it just means that because, you know, like I would love, for example, like you know, all the fit pros that work in our gyms, our own coaches we employ, I would love them to get like access to like courses and do what you do. I want them all to find their individual stories. I want them all to make their own content. I want them all to be my little marketing machines. Mm. You know what I mean? Because they're all carrying my brand ultimately, you yeah. know, but they're going to tell their unique story of how that, what that brand means to them. And this is, I think, where that entrepreneurship is going to happen, where the, the brands kind of become the umbrella that allow the individual solopreneurs to tell their story, to make their own audiences, start selling their own offshoot products, as long as it conforms with the brand's overall vision and values. You know, one of my coaches, we've just taken on like a, a CrossFit, a girl who's really into CrossFit, right? And so, you know, if she's like, oh, I would love to do like a, a session for, for the ladies gym on, you know, a limp or some CrossFit type stuff we do. I'll go, you know what? Sure. Go and organize it. We'll charge 20 pounds a person. You use your expertise. You're still under our brand and furthering our business, but you get to have that slice of your individuality for what you want to bring to the table. Mm. And that's that entrepreneurship where they get all the creative expression um, all the skills of an entrepreneur, but they're doing it under the safety and umbrella of, of a bigger company that is, that is helping. And the more they grow, it helps the company grow and vice versa. And so this is going to be a very interesting time. You know, and we still have our guys do, you know, learn about Instagram. They learn about Facebook marketing. They learn all these different things um, because we want them to be more valuable um, and we want them to hustle and they're still, they're still going to work hard because the harder they work, the faster they, 
they're going to be given more responsibility and roles in the company. If they yeah. want to run three gyms and be a regional manager, it's like, right, show me you can run three of our gyms then. And we'll give you the job tomorrow. We have no problem paying you 10 times more money as long as you're going to make us 10 times more money. Yeah. And this is, yeah, and again, this is, and this is all relevant because I think this is really my story and what I'm doing today and my beliefs is all shaped by that story of the last 10, 10 years or so I went through to see an entire industry cycle and now to come on and now I feel like I'm kind of just like starting over at this decade of now being able to give back um, and looking at the fit pros who were where I was 10 years ago. I want to be a fit pro or I want to be an online coach. I want to help people. I've got this skill, but where do I start? And we're just saying that, you know, don't put this huge, huge pressure on yourself that you might have to be this renegade entrepreneur mm. doing it all yourself. Maybe you do. And if you do, you'll know in your heart because no one can convince you otherwise. You can be offered a million pounds a year to work for someone. If you're a true entrepreneur, you'll be like, no, I appreciate that. I would love it, but I have to do my own thing. Some of us just have that. Yeah, it's um, true. A lot of us are just pretending we have it. Yeah, it's so true. Until we're told, right, go and talk to 300 people. Oh, well, excuse, excuse. You're not a natural entrepreneur, sorry. Yeah. You would find a way, not an excuse. Simple That's fucking that. so true. Man, I wish we had that little bomb button. Me and Perry have been talking about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like on Bradley's podcast on dropping bombs where he's got that little... We've been yeah. thinking about getting something similar ourselves, like a little nuke button or something. Because sometimes guests will say stuff and I'm like, that's the line right there. That's the one. Bro, um, this has been awesome, man. I know uh, you're cautious of your time today. And I uh, just want to say, man, thank you so much for joining us on Fit Story TV. Dude, I feel like we're, we've scratched some of the surface and there's definitely more we could uncover about Justin Devonshire moving forward. Uh, if you're open to it, man, coming back on the podcast in a few months' time would be epic. And we could dive into a little bit more of your story. And I'm sure you, because you're just in rapid growth as well, things are going to move forward for you very quickly. So, um, bro, thank you so much for joining us, man. Mm. Oh, thanks, guys. It's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. means a lot, man. Uh, any last words that any of you motherfuckers want to say before we close this off? It's just, it's just been a very interesting episode, yes. We had a good healthy dosage of story and also good healthy dosage of, um, of a viewpoint of where the industry is and where we think it's going to be moving into. So I think it's going to be very valuable to a lot of listeners. 100p, man. I'm down. This has been awesome. Justin, enjoy the rest of your day, man. And uh, Perry Power, see you soon, brother. There we go. Yeah. Peace.